Welcome back to Brain to Blaze, a weekly podcast about epilepsy by people with epilepsy for everyone. I'm your host, David Clifford. In this episode, we're going to cover some inspiring stories of people with epilepsy who just happen to be president of the United States. If you're new to Brain to Blaze, I just want to state that I'm not a medical expert. I'm just someone who has struggled with the ins and outs of epilepsy for almost three decades. I have never been too inspired or motivated by articles in the magazines about epilepsy. Most are the same case. An ordinary, average, everyday person who has dozens and dozens of seizures only to find the right medication. Then suddenly, they become seizure-free. The story never continues to include how the ordinary person spent the rest of their life doing great things. Though finding the right combination of medications is a great milestone, it doesn't make one great. I have been more inspired by stories of people with my condition that have achieved great things whether or not they were actually seizure-free. I know just as much as you that epilepsy isn't just about seizures. It's the ability to adapt to live a fulfilling life in the face of the fear when the next seizure will hit. When I see someone in our community succeed in great things, it motivates me to face my own condition, manage it better on all levels, so I can do great things too. Our epilepsy community doesn't have many heroes, so when we find them, we should celebrate them. Today is President's Day here in the United States. What expression do you think of when you think of the President of the United States? Maybe it's... Read my lips. No new taxes. Or maybe it's... Strategery. Whatever it is, we bet it isn't epilepsy. Still, most are surprised to hear that there are three different presidents that we know of whose lives were entangled with epilepsy or seizures. We hope that when you hear these stories, you are inspired to reevaluate what people with epilepsy can really accomplish. James Madison was the fourth president of the United States. Uh, oh, jeez. Not this again. Yes, Professor? No one knows if James Madison had epilepsy or not. That's fair. Let's tell a story and let the listener figure it out. At age 29, Madison was the youngest member of the Continental Congress. Although his signature doesn't exist on the Declaration of Independence, Madison is considered a founding father of the United States. He's often called the father of the Constitution because of his pivotal role in the document's drafting as well as its ratification. Along with John Jay and Alexander Hamilton, James Madison authored the Federalist Papers. His greatest achievement may have been that he authored the Bill of Rights. May I interject? Of course, Professor. The Bill of Rights is so important because it provides the basic rights of the United States citizen. It guarantees the freedom of speech, press, assembly, and exercise of religion. It also provides the right to fair legal procedure, to bear arms, and that powers not delegated to the federal government were reserved for the states and the people. Finally, it also adds in most of the checks and balances we see in the Constitution, and thus, the United States today. The professor is right. Thank you. Thank you. James Madison may or may not have had epilepsy. We do know for sure that on July 28, 1775, at the age of 24, Madison collapsed during a military drill while being watched by his father and others. Abrupt, quote, spells, end quote, would continue to afflict him for the rest of his life. Madison later wrote that he had, quote, a constitutional tendency to sudden attacks somewhat resembling epilepsy, which suspended all intellectual function, end quote. After his death, Madison's brother spent many an hour downplaying the president's affliction. 
It is not known whether his condition was epileptic or psychogenic in nature. We do know that he had seizure-like symptoms, though, and thus, he is a great example of a person who didn't let his seizures stand in the way. Fair enough. On September 6, 1901, 92 years after James Madison first took office, two gunshots rang out from the grounds of the Pan American Exposition at the Temple of Music in Buffalo, New York. The assassin's target was William McKinley, the 25th President of the United States. Both bullets hit the president in the torso. After an impromptu surgery at an on-site medical tent to remove the bullet fragments, the president doctors made the controversial decision to not take the politician to the hospital. Instead, McKinley would recuperate at the private home of the man who invited him to Buffalo, Ansley Wilcox. He waited with his wife, Ida, at his side. President McKinley doted on his wife throughout his whole life. While he was able to keep his life on track after the death of their children, his wife was another matter entirely. She went into a severe depression and eventually developed epilepsy. Objection! Objection? I mean, this isn't a court. What now? Ida was never diagnosed with epilepsy either. Come on. Ida had a seizure during McKinley's inaugural ball when he became governor of Ohio. That could have been either epilepsy or PNES too. Let's just agree to disagree. At first, it looked as though the president would make a full recovery. What the president's doctors did not know is that one of the assassin's bullet tore through McKinley's pancreas. It was a devastating blow that could not be mended using the medical technology available in 1901. It was just a matter of time for the president. When the president's injuries grew more grave, word went out to William McKinley's vice president, Theodore Roosevelt. No, we're getting somewhere. Very few people throughout history have been able to pull off being many things for many people. Theodore Roosevelt, or TR, is one of them. In his heyday, people knew him as a governor willing to vanquish corruption, a big game hunter, and a war hero volunteering to risk his life on foreign lands. Now, our country remembers Theodore Roosevelt as an environmentalist who created the National Park Service, a Nobel Peace Prize winning diplomat able to incorporate back-channel efforts to negotiate peace between Russia and Japan, and the man behind the Pure Food and Drug Act that created the FDA. I most remember Theodore Roosevelt as a little sick kid from New York City. New York City! Stranger, I hope you can be the full house. Though most of the stories one hears about Theodore Roosevelt involve Rough Riders or the Western Frontier, TR actually grew up in an upper-middle-class city home. Sick from an early age, his family homeschooled him until he left home for Harvard. The fact that TR had epilepsy provides an extra depth to his adventures. And in my honest opinion, it also explains a lot. Theodore Roosevelt once said, Nothing in this world is worth having or worth doing unless it means effort, pain, or difficulty. With his larger-than-life persona, he was able to successfully manufacture an image of health by conquering even the highest mountains, riding the longest rides, and roughing the worst wars. By the time he became governor of New York, he had attained a cult following. He didn't necessarily wish to become William McKinley's vice president. Theodore Roosevelt never wanted to be second to anyone. Unless a man is mastery of his soul, all other kinds of mastery amount to little. He only got the job because the Republican Party had no idea what to do with the young governor. His lectures and legislation stood against the party's line and in the way of large industrial age companies willing to forest every tree, mine every mountain, and pollute every river. He was given the vice presidency as a way to promote him out of their hair. By the time that Theodore Roosevelt made it to the Wilcox home in Buffalo, New York, President McKinley was already dead. 
TR made his way to Ida McKinley to pay his respects. The fate of the world laid in the hands of these two people with epilepsy. Theodore Roosevelt was accompanied by Ida McKinley in the small library of the Wilcox home during a solemn ceremony that made Theodore Roosevelt the youngest president of the United States. Theodore Roosevelt, 26th president of these United States of America at your service. I often hear members of our epilepsy community say that they just cannot do things because of their epilepsy. And when I ask them, have you tried? They are confused. It's as if they haven't been asked that question before. I believe that one of the reasons why TR saw so much success was because he didn't listen to those around him dictate what his epilepsy let or not let him do. Theodore Roosevelt is quoted as saying, It's not the critic who counts. The critic belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by the dust and the sweat and the blood, who strives valiantly, who, at his worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory or defeat. Theodore Roosevelt tried many things, and he failed. I mean, he failed a lot. After each failure, he reinvented himself into someone of which he was proud. Just last month, it made me proud to see another person with epilepsy, Chief Justice Roberts, swear in President Biden. The inauguration of the new president was the last acts of the blue wave entering Washington, D.C. You are the only person that should make hard rules about what you can or cannot do because of your seizures or epilepsy. Get off my plane. We would love to hear any of your comments or questions regarding this or any of our other episodes. You can always reach out to us via email at social.brainyblaze.com or on Twitter at BrainyBlaze. If you like this episode, consider subscribing or even helping us by providing a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your content. One small click really does help. See you next time.